So you want to, um, I, oh, I was just going to get into it. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. Um, I don't really remember where we were. We're sorry, everybody, about this break. Um, this might not even make it into the episode because it might just be one long episode. So what? Um, oh, we, we were on ad blockers and antiviruses and stuff. Like right. That. right. So we were just talking about open source and encryption, and we were getting into um, uh, we were getting into uh, sorry, what are they called? Well, just a Anti- quick recap. Like what yeah. what I was talking about was um how how drivers and bloatware software that comes pre installed on your computers can be a vector for attackers because it's a really easy place to know that a whole bunch of people are having this software installed and the software is not well designed it's designed to send as much of your data as they're legally allowed to collect that's that's how the businesses make their money so the difference between like the open source programs that we talked about like pgp or like spybot search and destroy and things like that that are written by developers just to help people and they accept donations is very different from free software that companies offer because companies have like legal departments, accountants, registration, they need to generate revenues just to exist. And their revenues come from the data they collect from people when they're giving away free software. Right. That applies to all software, including antiviruses. They are basically getting you to install a a benign virus in order to help prevent viruses. Right. And then they can decide what's a virus and what's not oh you've got some you've got a torrent file on your computer that's a virus it's like no it's not it's a movie um but then like you get someone like mcafee himself like the the mcafee is named after a guy who's notorious for being a terrible human being so he would like in it's got his name on it don't trust it (laughs) go research open source what you literally can do and i'm not going to tell you which to try and which to use because an endorsement of one or another that I like, and I do have a couple that I like, um, really isn't is beyond the point of what we're trying to do here. So just type into your search engine, um, like best open source software and rotate it because, you know, I was using an open source software in 2014 and they stopped being open source without me noticing and started asking for money. And, uh, yeah, that ended up not and again, they're tracking your key logs. They're tracking what websites you visit. They're tracking all of that information that you're trying to prevent other users from abusing. They're keeping for themselves and what's to stop them from getting hacked and all of that data being sold on the dark net, just like Equifax did and Target, like all, even all, like retailers and their, 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 those gift cards and credit card departments like Sears yeah, used to have those. one before they went down. Target Home Depot has a, has a card. All of those companies have been hacked and all of their data from their customers, including purchase amounts, uh, account information, address, date of birth, passwords, all of that. So your Straight security don't is get points also, cards. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's worth it for the points, but just know that mm-hmm. what you're offering is available to, to, um, to dubious actors yeah so choose quick choose um wisely and do some research it's worth uh, 15 minutes of worth of research even um but one thing i'm perfectly happy actually promoting um clam av clam av is an open source antivirus uh yeah it's a funny name but (laughs) but because you're clamming anyway but one of the things i find even more useful and that is a good one i've used that before is that um 
a ad blocker has actually been more useful in the long run for me than any other piece of software. Because you're on your website and most of the things that try and get into your computer are pop-ups and scripts that are running on web pages that install themselves on your computer and you block them initially because they're just, um, they're almost passive in how they work. So I've got about three running here. Because the funny thing is those are deprecated now too, because of the way websites are built using div tags and stuff. All their pop-ups are now just elements on a web page that have like the, the image of an X, but they're not actually a window block. Like yes. remember back in the day, if you just use a straight JavaScript pop-up, it would be like a Windows block that you had to say yes, no, cancel, or whatever to, right? Mm-hmm. Those are all blocked now. But a website can show a div tag and hide it after you hit a certain corner on the div tag, just like a window. So that's why all of our pop-ups now, when you try and read um, uh, journal articles like we talked about in a past episode where they're paywalled, that's how come those pop-ups still come up because they're not actually Windows popping up, they're... They're HTML tag elements that are appearing and disappearing instead because that gets around a, a pop-up blocker. So all, all like even Chrome and um, Edge and all of the biggest browsers, I think Safari too, they all block pop-ups now just like standard right out of the box. Mm-hmm. But none of them stop anybody from making click engagements. So when you put something in front of the article you're trying to read on the New York Times and it says... Um, you you've reached your quota limit for the day. You must buy a subscription or something. Yeah, that's that not actually a pop up. Like an element that looks like a pop up. Don't read the New York Times, <laughs> <laughs> but you should read everything. Bag. Like I get yeah. sources from everywhere. I want to know what conservatives are thinking and what demo- uh, uh, progressives and Democrats. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so pop up blockers aren't as useful as they used to be because they're they're implemented as defaults in all browsers now. But you still get pop ups just in a different form. Mm. And when you click close, just because it looks like an X and it closes the the thing that's in front of your face that you're trying to get rid of that looks like a, a window, but it's not. Anytime you click on something, it's an engagement with a script. They can write anything in that script. So like a nefarious agent would thus. Um, instead of just closing the window, it might actually say and download all of that user's cookie information for their, their tracking data. So it, yeah. it's impossible to know without digging through the code before you click OK on something and hoping that the code is legible and commented, which it won't be because they minify it for optimizations because you want as, the smallest file possible so it downloads faster for the browsers to interpret. And so it's impossible to read the code even because the, the variables used are truncated for the computer to use them rather than a human being to read them. So they're obfuscating the code itself, not necessarily to be bad or to hide anything. It's just to make your computer run faster and to make the internet more efficient. Mm-hmm. But the downside is you can't see what any script you click on on any page is doing. It could start crypto mining with your CPUs that aren't being used. If you've got like eight core CPUs, it might snatch four of them and just start mining while you read an article. And if you're okay with that, and if it's up front, that's fine. I'm not against the fact that people use scripts. I'm against it being hidden. If you're going to do something and say, here, I'm offering free articles to read in return while you're reading them, I'd like you to generate me some money in this specific way. And this is what I'm doing with your computer. Do you agree? Yes or no? Or I'm selling your tracking data. This is what I'm going to be selling people. Before you keep reading, make sure you agree to it. But they're not doing that. (laughs) 
They're no. allowed to hide all their scripts because our lawmakers don't know anything about code or programming. They can't write laws if they don't understand what's actually happening. No, when they try, it's always, it's like, I don't know, there's some good cringe compilations when they try to talk about the internet. And no, it's, it's brutal. It's, um, but like, it's still one of the things that I found that's really good about ad blockers is that use the internet without it for 15 minutes and then turn on like three or four ad blockers and the quality of the internet just like quintuples um youtube's bearable um and uh yes but uh you don't like the youtube the the websites become cleaner neater easier to use because there's not just shit everywhere it's not like stuff running in the background it and just the weird shit that um ad companies will put into their ads will generally not be running so it will increase your quality of life on the internet as well as just add that extra little layer of protection that will work inside the browser level now that doesn't mean that i'm not being completely redundant by having three different open source uh, ad blockers on my thing well, am i using three maybe i'm not um but either way um, i don't use any to be honest I got a couple. I haven't seen an ad in years because I run Linux, and I guess oh, yeah, that's the other thing we can use. But one thing <laughs> I w- I want to bring up there's stuff like um, uh, if you're worried about like ads and stuff like that and getting around that, you can use something like YouTube Vanced, which takes a bit more effort to implement because you know you have to integrate it into your phone or something because there's no ad blocks for the YouTube app on your phone. Um, but one, if you can get it up, then you just you know they they can't track anything. You're just getting the videos and it throws all the other data somewhere else. I don't really know how that one works per se. Uh, I know that it's a pain in the butt to get going, but if you're really interested in um, that kind of aspect of online life, then that's something you can look at. Um, now, one, now let's talk about your setup itself. So this kind of want to segue into Linux because one thing you can do is not is just, have more control over your digital environment. And when you're in Windows or something, you used to have like on XP, you used to have control over your entire operating system. You could go in and just, you could set up the, go into the DOS shell and just see what the heck's going on. And that's becoming harder and harder. Um, I think it was harder with Windows 8, but with Windows 10, it's, it's very difficult and you don't actually have permission to your own thing. This goes back to our, um, do you have right to fix it episode? But if you do something like run a Linux platform, what are the advantages to that? Well, it's a really loaded question, but I'm glad you asked it because Linux offers the flexibility to use a distribution or they call them distros just for short of Linux that suits the purpose that you're going to be using it for. So all Linux can do like browsing the web and um, like emails and images and stuff like that. This the really simple stuff. But if you're a reporter uh, and you're studying journalism or something and you plan on going overseas and this stuff is crucial to understand. So they have security Linux um, that's bootable off a USB stick that's fully encrypted uh, just out of the box called uh, Tails. 
So if you're a reporter and you're going to be using Tor and VPN services and you're going to be writing about things that are criminal in other countries, you have to know things like Tails. So what you do is you you download the open source, like Linux itself is open source, so it's like an operating system in a box. You, you write the image to your USB stick, and then when you plug in into your computer and turn on your computer, it boots off the USB instead of booting off your hard drive. So it, it opens up um, like a graphical user interface. So it's just it, instead of being the start menu being at the bottom left, it's at the top left. But that's pretty much the only difference. Uh, it'll let you browse the web, do emails and all that. But anything you save onto that USB drive uh, as like permanent storage or things that you want to write about or um, logins or accounts or passwords or anything like that, the whole USB stick is encrypted. That's the first benefit to it. The second benefit to it is hardwired into it is the security aspect. That's what Tails distro is focused on. So if you just pull out the USB stick, the whole thing shuts down automatically. So that like if somebody broke into your room and the cops are going to arrest you for what you're writing right there on the, you could just pop out the USB stick and everything's saved and encrypted and hidden. Even if they got your USB drive, they can't access it. And that's all encrypted through the P- PGP process that we talked yeah. about. Yeah, all you have to do is get a lawyer and say no every time they ask you for the password. <laughs> yeah, you're not required. You can stay silent in most countries, but other countries can torture you for it. So, like, you're better off destroying the USB stick in that case. Yeah, which is why you buy a gun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not for them. Um, okay, I know I'm advocating some dark stuff there, but, like, if you're in those countries and you're doing this, you know the risks that you're going through. Um, and that's but, why it's important to know the security. Mm-hmm. But like choosing your distro, or like which distribution of Linux you run is going to help you just because out of the box, it's going to have security features that others don't. So Ubuntu is meant as more like a general use, multi-use platform. You can do audio editing, video editing, uh, browsing I, the web. I do archival like work on Ubuntu, Ubuntu, so I've got a shell on my computer that I've got archival stuff going on. Um, yeah, and Linux is great. Like the commands are powerful for. Um, sorry, go. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. I was just commenting. Go on. It cut out. I didn't hear what you were saying. Oh, I was saying I don't use it half as often as I should. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's not much that I do that I require security for, but when I'm when I'm writing software, I often I'll use Tails and stuff just to test it to see if it um, it breaks basically, mm-hmm. because some things do work differently under different operating systems. But generally speaking, I mean Linux isn't bloated because Linux asks you permission every time it does something. If you try and mount a drive, it says, "Are you the administrator?" <laughs> if you try to unmount the drive, it says, "Are you the administrator?" So you have a lot of control with permissions, whereas like in Windows, you can right click a folder and you can choose to encrypt it, but that encryption still tied to your Hotmail account, which is probably on that Have I Been Pwned website we talked about before. If you've got a Hotmail account, chances are it's been hacked at some point by either uh, like a sweepstakes lottery where you wrote down your, your email address and phone number and personal name or it might have been stolen from a Facebook hack. There's been a huge dump of Facebook data that was, re- was released years ago. Um, like I said, like Equifax and Home Depot, Target, all these companies have got that type of information. And Windows is only encrypting things based on your login account. And your login account now is forced to be tied to Hotmail. They don't even let you not have a Hotmail account, which is insane. But So there's actually no security in Windows encryption whatsoever. Because the security is hinged on a single password for 
a web-based email client, which is mm-hmm. notoriously insecure. <laughs> they tried to fix it with a forced pin, like a pin number, but again, you're just adding another password. Like, ooh, good job. Like, <laughs> that's not more secure. It's just slightly more secure. It's just annoying. It doesn't actually stop anybody from anything. And most people reuse their passwords and pins. So as long as one data breach happens, if you've used that pin even with a different email address, but your name and address are the same, uh, a machine learning algorithm will tie your name and address, even ignore the different email, and it'll apply those passwords to another email address to see if it can get in. So Windows also has other features like um, archive and compression. Uh, there are a lot of they seem simple to use and they are simple to use, but they're not effective in the way that you think they are because windows stores information like uh, page file systems. For, for example, you'll probably see a page file file like on your C drive. If you view hidden files and what it is, is it's a hard drive storage of everything that's stopped in your Ram at that time. So that if there's a power outage or if you want to put your computer in hibernate or sleep mode, it saves it to the RAM, and then if there's a power cut, the RAM dumps everything, but then you can boot off the hard drive, it loads into RAM, and your system boots faster. So every time you use some kind of accelerated process to like make your computer run faster, those shortcuts are vulnerabilities. So I would advise everybody to turn off fast boot, because if you've got an SSD, who cares if you wait five seconds or three seconds for your computer to boot? It's five seconds instead of three. For the for the fact that you have security on your account versus none, you might as well just not use Fastboot. But it's it's connected on default by default, so you have to physically opt out of it. Well, one of the things that um, I've been doing, and this is this is probably a good practice, even though it's kind of a pain in the butt, is back up all the data that you want to, and just every couple months, just wipe your computer and reset it as the settings uh, with you that you want. It'll take maybe a day or a couple hours, but um, just reload everything and get everything um, going again. <coughs> yes, you'll have you'll lose some of your cookies and your password and you'll have you'll see how um, you'll definitely see where you were just taking your passwords and your cookies and your uh, settings for granted, but you'll also get a better sense of how you can set up your computer. Um, because once you set it up the way you want, then, you know, that's a lot, it's going to be a lot better for you and you'll have more control over your digital environment. But by resetting it, you are, you're kind of wiping all that clean. You're, 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 you're giving yourself a, um, in addition to just cleaning everything up, because one of the things that happens with a, when a person uses a computer is you just get like, you install a program and then it doesn't work, but then you don't uninstall it and you got all these weird, stupid programs. Like, you know, you got an old version of DOS box just sitting on your, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, on your desktop or something that you don't even remember it's there and it's in a folder or something that you didn't, don't, didn't, didn't think about because you wanted to play a game that was from the early nineties or something. And all this stuff kind of, will bloat its system in itself. But when you do a reset on your computer, um, it essentially forces whoever is sending, if anyone's coming after you, it forces them to like start over again as well. Cause they have you to relearn. format or what? Well, you, like I generally will format my computer just as like maintenance, just not, not because like this is a security measure, but just cause it, 
cleans my computer up. It will run a lot faster yeah. if you do that. Yeah. And there's a really fast way of, do, of doing these clean installs. You just take a magnet I'm, and you wipe it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a one-way one street. Yeah. But the fast way of doing it is when you set up, like, you, let's say you've cleanly installed your computer, you've turned off, like, fast boot, you've uninstalled all the, uh, the bloatware that came with it, like, the extra driver features and all the things that even you may not have installed intentionally, but other programs have installed behind your back which they do constantly. Every time you install something, there's always that, remember that checkbox that's always there saying, yes, give me this uh, browser extension as well. And it's like defaulted on. And if you just click next by accident, you can't go back and uninstall it. You have to manually go into programs and files and apps and, and uninstall it. And then its traces are still there. It's going to leave its traces in the page file that it holds, the RAM that it holds, and the other program that it installed is going to say, hey, I installed this. I've already got permission to install it and it's no longer on your computer. I'm just going to reinstall it next time you boot. And their software will do that because their only goal is to make money. That's what companies do. And the way they make money from free software is by collecting data. It's the only avenue they have to release their free software is they have to make it hard for you to not let them have it. So with the clean install, once, once you've got everything on your desktop the way you like it, all your pictures and, you know, the files that you want, Save an image to an external drive. So an image is a bit-for-bit -bit copy of the entire hard drive. And what it does is um, when you want to format, you can wipe the whole hard drive clean. You can, um, you can use that image to then reload from a clean state of a clean install with all of your settings already done. That way you don't have to go through the whole process of actually installing and then waiting and then going through the settings and manually changing everything and then putting all your shortcuts on your desktop. So the best way, in my opinion, is to start with a clean image from like where you've got everything perfect right from a clean install after you've removed all the garbage that you don't want. Save that. And then for all your files, keep them on a separate drive entirely. If you want, you can encrypt the entire drive. That's way better than using an operating system encryption. If you use a file system encryption that's built into the file system structure of the disk, then you don't even have to think about it. It'll encrypt itself, and when you unplug it, it's still encrypted. And install everything to a separate hard drive again. You could use a separate partition if you want, but... It's easiest just to have separate drives because these drives are so cheap now. You can get a 500 gig SSD for like 60 bucks. So if, you're, if your operating system is booting off of just the $60 drive, you just need another $60 drive to copy the image from. And then a $100 drive will get you like, you know, four terabytes or whatever for all your storage and use a separate drive still for your installs so that the shortcuts on your on your desktop after you formatted and, and booted off of a new image and burned a new image back to your install directory, you can then those shortcuts will still link to your your drive with all your installed games and applications, so you don't have to reinstall all your programs all the time. That's so, literally what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, that's the best way to go about it because then you're not spending an entire day every three months trying to clean your computer, but you're getting all the benefits of, of wiping out the bloatware and all the Microsoft stuff that you can't control that just accumulates in the background constantly without you even knowing. Mm -hmm. So um, I think we're nearing the end. I One thing I want to get to is um, these a lot of what we're talking about are uh, – 
positive security measures and in, in effects things you can do to help yourself um, uh, be more safe in online environments. And one of the things you can do are uh, negative security actions. So the biggest one is don't use certain programs. If you know a program is like owned by the you know Communist Party of China, don't download it onto your phone. So like don't use TikTok, period. Um, and because uh, certain programs are uh, more compromised than others. So we were talking about McAfee and Norton, don't use them. Um, and this is something so you can do. Um, and this is probably the simplest one. So if you have an inkling that a program may be um, less than uh, honest about its intentions on your phone or on your computer, um, get another one. Find an open source alternative or one that's trusted more or one that you can have more uh, user control over. Um, and avoid companies because companies have to make money. Yeah. So if you can find a program that does just as well without looking as pretty, or if it doesn't look as polished, that probably means it just runs better. Mm -hmm. Like when people are focused on the, the, the effectiveness of the application that you're using, like GIMP versus uh, Photoshop, yeah. Photoshop is actually much better under the hood at doing the same things that GIMP does. GIMP is the free and open source image editing program that we use for our show and all of my, my commercial wares. But um, Photoshop is branded because it works better. And that's why people pay like extortion fees. If you ask me to run yeah. Photoshop, they're all in like subscription services. Now you can't even own the software. So there's a reason for the brand and there's a place for it too. If, if you're in a business that's just doing media 24 seven, you get way more benefit out of paying somebody for a program that runs faster so that you'll get more productivity out of it. So there's nothing wrong with companies. Like, I'm not against people making money. It's the underhandedness of how they operate your hardware, your physical product on, in the background without your knowledge and without telling you how they're making money. That's what I'm personally against. So if you, if you have to use commercial software, just know what it's doing and watch it in like your system monitor or if you have a, a routing software, you can watch what it's actually doing with your bandwidth if it's sending information back and forth. They're going to send it encrypted, so you won't be able to read what they're sending usually. But if they're sending two bits every minute, you know for a fact that they're probably sending logs. If they're sending a megabyte every two minutes, they're probably sending every keystroke and mouse movement and click that you've made. They're probably sending like lists of uh, installed applications. Um, like, So checking file sizes is really important. And the amount of information they can get from just a page file that sits hidden on your computer that you didn't ask Microsoft to put in is enormous. They can get your credit card info, your home address, like all of that can be easily passed out of Microsoft. And they did it just to speed your computer up. So again, Microsoft's not evil. They're just negligent. They don't care about your security. They want their product to look good on your computer so that you keep using their product. Right. Now yeah, there are businesses are for. They're supposed to do that. There are certain companies out there that like you say something like I'm not really hesitant in claiming that the CCP is a benevolent entity. <laughs> so like why would I buy a Huawei phone uh when I know who owns the people who owns the company? Like it's not 
like it's not a purely capitalistic entity. I can trust capitalists to just go for money. I <laughs> that's one thing I kind of you, you can trust a capitalist to be like, well, I'm here to make money. But when they're not do that, when they have certain other motives, you kind of have to be a little more. But in that regard, we're talking to extremes. So mm-hmm. when you oh, trust yeah, a definitely. corporation to just be after money, they can still be underhandedly really negligent with your data. And that's a security risk to you because all they care about is their money. They don't care about your security. And on the other hand, you've got Huawei where you've got political tensions causing people to, to believe in things that are unproven. Mm-hmm. So like Huawei phones, they're, they're physical blocks, right? They're hardwired. Yeah. If there's a security vulnerability in the hardware, you should be able to decap the, um, the transistor circuits, trace them and say, here, that's your vulnerability right there. The logic allows that somebody with this code has a backdoor into this phone. Mm-hmm. They haven't done that. The government's just claiming that they're bad because they're supporting other businesses. There's there's a political influence to it. Right. So the, the component about making Huawei not sellable to the states is nothing to do with the company Huawei or its phones mm-hmm. or the logic gates built into the circuitry of the phone. Nobody's actually found the backdoor, to my knowledge. They're just saying because China is allowed to over oversee operations and pull information from any of its entities, that it's vulnerable. Right. Well, if that's the case, then so is your toaster and the microwave or the uh, microphone they put into your television that you never asked for. Those are all built in China. Like all your cars are built with signals and circuits and sensors that are built in China. I think mine's built in Mexico. But we can't make those illegal <laughs> because you have no products. So they're picking and choosing what's safe and what's not safe just based on what's politically um, optimal. But at the the same time, if you are in Saudi Arabia reporting on uh, human rights abuses, you're not going to be using the um, state-approved computer networks to report that um, it, the signal just won't get out. Um, you, But this is kind of common sense, though. You, you're putting yourself in a situation where you will need to be wary of such things. But if you're, if you're the type of person, like if you work in a garage and you, um, you just use your phone to play music while you work or something, you probably don't need to worry about the political machinations behind right. your phone. <laughs> so, and and every chip has like ID circuits too, right? Like they they imprint the the label like LMS one zero three two or something like that for the chip. So you could look up the diagrams and circuitry of most of these chips. And what companies want to do is they want to develop chips that are proprietary so that they can say my product's better than someone else's product because nobody can copy it. And that's why we have patent protections on intellectual property that China is accused of stealing all the time. But the thing with that is they were always stealing it. That's why they allowed their labor to be so cheap for so long is because they benefited from it materially in the fact that they didn't have to innovate or invent anything. They didn't have to. They got flooded with diagrams and schematics of things that they didn't have to reinvent. That was the benefit to enslaving their people. So you can't really criticize the system that we helped create. You can't say like, oh, well, we got all this cheap labor for all these years and circuits and computers and everything in our life is run by the technology that China built for us with our diagrams and schematics and engineering. 
It's a collaborative effort. You can't suggest that they get no benefit from it just so we can get rich and fat. Like that's not even human rights. That's just my rights. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where I get in with the, the whole Huawei thing is because the components can be traced back. And if you, if you connect a Huawei phone to any, any system that checks the Huawei phone for identity, it's going to be able to say that it's a Huawei phone. And that could be a red flag for a political government to start tracking you, especially if they have a backdoor. But even without one, they could say, like, why does this person have a banned phone? That's a red flag to start watching you. So, yeah. All these different ways of looking at the things we're doing to prevent other people from accessing us are also always going to be just like nature always is have a flip side that targets you for it. So using Tor will make them look at why is he using Tor? Like you said, when you look it up or anything yeah. like that. So yeah. So you got to um, be aware of it. That's all I'm saying is that you well, have to I think be aware that the, the attempts that you make are going to make you look like you're making attempts. Right. But if they see that, like, you're, you're, you know, keep clicking on Japan because they have that one movie for some reason, it's just like, if you, if, if you're using, generally, you're going to be, sorry, let me start again. <laughs> generally, most of us are going to be using these things in very, you know, benign, innocent manner. We just don't want someone looking over our shoulder while we're doing it. And I think to wrap it up, we can start wrapping this up. Yeah, I think absolutely. one of the things that I can say is that um, you as an individual, once you start thinking about this and doing your research, put the time in, but, you know, be unpredictable. And this means just changing your passwords. If like I, uh, I could type into, if I just once a day type in something like pretty pink dresses into, you know, my search engine and then the next day I'll type in like, gravel trucks and the next day I'll type in something, you know, throw off the algorithm, have fun with it. Or mm-hmm. there was that one guy who went on Facebook and just liked everything he came across and he would actively go and find weird stuff to like and threw his algorithm kind of out the window. And apparently people were complaining about him because then he was getting like his, uh, his, his friends were being affected by it because they were getting requests because they had a friend that liked this weird thing. And now they were getting ads for that thing. And it's like, dude, stop. <laughs> so, um, but I think that's where you get the greatest public good is when we're aware of the algorithms, then I can put in, like I was talking about with my recipes and hope that they track that I'm looking up that recipe. Mm-hmm. But if I start taking a new medication, I might want to hide that. Yeah. So I can look up my medications and drug interactions and what it's going to do with my body but I don't necessarily need companies knowing that I'm looking up my, my medication. They don't need to know my health history. I don't want to share that with them. I don't want ads about like psoriasis. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, well, this is something other innocent, something else that's innocent. You are preparing a surprise gift for your spouse's birthday mm-hmm. and it's something big and you don't want the ads for that thing showing up in their thing. You want it to be as much of a surprise as possible. So it's like, don't track me while I'm buying this thing. Cause like, mm-hmm. Oh, you looked at this on Amazon. It's like, so that's uh, a really good example. Cause it brings it home. Yeah. So it's like, then, you know, they go, why were you looking at this? I wanted one of those. Oh man, it'd be great if I had one of those. It's like, Oh, you're with my surprise. Yeah. This or is wedding complete, rings or something. This is complete. Oh yeah, exactly. It's completely innocent. And like, so um, yeah, Se- I think it's security can be a bunch of different things is what you're saying. Yeah. So it's, 
how we're using it and being aware of how the systems are, that you're using are being constructed. And this is kind of one thing that we've been harping on for a while. Like, know how your government works. Um, you know, know how your car works. It's kind of back to the uh, fixability. Um, yeah, the uh, ULA right episode. Yeah, that one. Um, know how you work in, you know, introspectively, but also now know how your computer works. Know, like, one of the things you can do is just instead of buying something out of the box, build it yourself. It'll end up being cheaper in the long run. You'll know how it works. And operating systems are not that hard to install. So, oh, today they're so easy. They used to be hard, like floppy yeah. disk. You had to insert them in order and wait 20 minutes each and yeah. hope it doesn't crash. <laughs> <laughs> and like, once you understand that, you can, you know, you can alter your setup. Oh, you can put more RAM. You're more able to do stuff in that. Uh, I've got like my own setup that works perfectly for me. This, my setup would not work perfectly for probably anybody else, but, um, it'd be awkward for them, but this is, this is nice for me. I have this digital environment. So you are living in a digital environment every day. So pay attention to it just like you pay attention to what's going on in your yard. <laughs> yeah, and don't be aware just to raise awareness and tell people how enlightened you are. Be aware so that you can use it properly. Yeah. Like the point of awareness is to be able to protect yourself when you need to and have the algorithms do what they're supposed to do when you want them to. I want YouTube to show me engineering videos and technology. So I let it track me and I like videos and I you know, show appreciation to the people who upload free content or make free open source software. I yeah. thank them publicly. I'm not worried about anyone tracking me that I'm using open source software because I want to promote it. I want I, people knowing how much I'm using open source because that's how you give credit to the creators without well, paying them. And when, when YouTube doesn't really know who you are, it's, you get like, I forgot cat videos. Well, I like cat videos because cats are wonderful creatures, <sighs> but like, the scourge of the internet. <laughs> no, but like you get like, look at this woman playing, you know, the piano and like all these like cancer clickbait bullshit videos with like celebrities and they have a hundred thousand million views. And it's just like, I forgot how cancerous unfiltered YouTube was. Cause like, we don't really like, we don't like anything on our YouTube, on our YouTube channel. So I've got my own. So whenever I go see the frivolous gravitas front page, here's your re requested videos. I'm just like my faith of humanity dies every time <laughs> I look at that. <laughs> so, um, and I guess that's why we're here. We're, we're trying to, um, weed out some of the garbage and put out some not high quality production, but quality content. Yeah. Production. We're trying to give you guys something, which means, uh, to I guess I guess we're done, which means yeah. that we need you to participate too. So you know, like and subscribe yeah, and su comment. support free content. If there's something we missed having to do with digital security, let us know. Put it down in the comments because you know if people are watching this, they're probably gonna scroll through the comments at least. And if you have something extra to say that we missed, that's definitely necessary for us to have here. Yeah, or ideas for other topics. Like we're open to talking about pretty much anything. Yeah, if we get enough questions, we could do a frequently asked questions or, you know, we I answer. I those. You can do those. <laughs> yeah, I'll do them because I'll have a blast with those. I won't I won't take it seriously at all. <laughs> so, um, how tall are you? Yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, any thoughts from, any final thoughts from you? Uh, no, just like you said, support open source software, be conscious, be aware, and stay safe. Um, especially if you're going into a profession that requires um, some kind of 
discretion. So mm-hmm. medical professionals should know how to be secure online just in case there's a pandemic and you need to do video conferencing or prescriptions by email. Um, you're self-employed. Like <laughs> journalists or self-employed people. If you're living in a country that's, you know, like the States, <laughs> even in the States, you should try and be secure because the NSA and CIA are very, and FBI are very active in, in monitoring and saving data. And it might not bite you t- today, but it, it could bite you 20 years from now. Yeah. Tell your FBI and NSA guys that you care. They don't hear that enough. (laughs) So. And if you're going to send dick pics to somebody, encrypt it with PGP. That's my advice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Make sure you encrypt any incriminating uh, stuff you send over email servers because email is notoriously insecure. Any mail server can save any email you send. Any attachments you send can just live forever in the ethos mm-hmm. or ether Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. We're watching. We'll see you guys around. Take care.